Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at you once again in the Gospel of Matthew. This week, we begin in the 11th chapter at verse 20, the woe to unrepentant cities. And if we have time, we'll hit uh, the rest of the chapter. Come to me and I will give you rest. If we have time, I will see how much uh, of the rabbit holes I can find in these first uh, four verses, but uh, if we can get through these two sections, we'll be done with chapter 11 today. If not, next week, no big deal. We're not in any hurry, but I want to make sure I give both sections adequate time and uh, the appropriate amount of uh, insight too. So uh, really, again, all of the commercials, if you would, are on the back end of the show. If you want to join us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash undying light, dollar a month. Uh, and that gives you access to everything we're doing, the Bible study, exclusive Genesis series, uh, early show releases, sermon notes, uh, ex- little snippets and exclusive insights to my book. And uh, and my intentions are, if you are a patron, um, by the time I publish my book, to give you a free copy. That is my intentions with it. So uh, that is that. Uh, obviously, if you want to get a get in on logos, logos.com forward slash undying light, all of that stuff again is in the show notes and on the back end of the show after the closing music. So uh, I won't bore you to details with all that. So let's dig into the text and see what we have for us today. Beginning in the 20th verse, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, uh, Chorizian, woe to you, Bethsaida, for the mighty works have done in you have done entire Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? You will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works done in you have been done in Sodom, they would have remained until this day. 
But I tell you that it would be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Tyre or the land of Sodom than for you. Uh, so let's dig in a little bit of the context here. So Jesus is naming a few cities uh, to which essentially he's got some, uh, say, beef with. Uh, they have witnessed his miracles. Uh, both John and Jesus uh, have exhorted ex- exhorted their hearers to repent. And Jesus expresses indignation against the cities. Though crowds have flocked near him, they remained really unmoved by his proclamation. The cities refused to respond positively to Jesus's messianic presence and message. Now, I'm going to take this and kind of sideboat it with another famous passage in the Old Testament, and that's the story of Jonah. Because what does Jonah do? He goes to the city of Nineveh. They're Assyrians. They are enemies to the Israelites, and Jonah's being a stingy baby about the whole thing the whole way there. And when he gets there, he preaches that God's wrath is going to befall the city unless they repent. And the city repents. That generation is saved. The king orders the entire city to put on sackcloth and ash and repent. And so it's it, it's an interesting kind of connecting piece or you know maybe a, a foreshadowing to the cities that have denounced Christ or are unmoved by his proclamation. And quite truthfully, we see that even happening today. And we see where we can stand on a street corner and preach Christ and the cities are mostly anti-Jesus. In fact, I was having a conversation with my wife just this very morning about how Christianity is the only religion in the world openly mocked and persecuted. You do not see Muslims being openly mocked and persecuted by uh, the, by the left or those who are anti-religious. You don't see Christian or you don't see Muslims or Hindus, Buddhists or any of those other religions. In fact, it really it's really the Jewish nation and Christianity that are the most persecuted religions in the world. And they openly mock Christianity. They openly mock uh, Jesus Christ. They openly mock God. They mock us as Christians. They persecute us as Christians. And in fact, I just saw a headline that a family in North Korea was sentenced to life in prison, including a two-year-old child, to life in prison for simply owning a Bible. Because that is how much power Scripture has, that it scares the elites that they will no longer receive the worship they have uh, commanded of their people. And so they are sentencing people to life in prison. That's in North Korea. In China, you're, you're put in prison or you're beaten, you're flogged, you're killed for your religion. And uh, I put a video up on social media the other day surrounding China itself and how these people would travel 19 hours to get to hear a sermon 19 hours here in the West. We think if you have to go more than 40 minutes or 50 minutes, maybe even a, then it's not worth it because we have such a saturation of churches and we have the ability to openly gather and we have the opportunity to openly come into the presence of God and worship him. And we do so more or less in the West without persecution. Uh, but in China, they don't have that ability. They cannot freely worship in 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 the open and so they can't even have scheduled worships it's all done um, kind of last minute sporadic uh, points and there's you know a a messaging system that they use to get the word out to people that you know this is going to happen but what happens you know in the west is that we become so comfortable 
in our ability to come and hear Christ that we have stopped coming to hear Christ. We are unmoved by the proclamation. And I'll tell you, it's going to be worse on the day of judgment for America than it will be for Sodom and Gomorrah or for Tyre and Sidon. So that's really what we have to you know, understand and deal with. America is not a Christian nation. America is not a, um, is not re, uh, repenting and turning back to God. America, if anything, is moving further and further away from a biblical construct and a biblical worldview. And we are moving at a rapid pace into subjective reality, subjective truth and morality. And we are moving such a depravity uh, that we are, again, openly mocking Christ. And I made the statement to my wife this morning. I feel like basically most of the people in this country and, and, and here in the West are just openly shaking their fists at God and, and mocking him, challenging him to come and bring judgment because, you know, they don't, ex- they don't see it. They don't understand it. And so it's a, you know, until it actually happens, they'll continue to mock and, and ridicule us. And we, we know what will happen on the day of judgment. We know that those individuals will no longer have a place to hide. They will try to get under the mountains, but Christ will, will still be there to pull them out and demand that they bow before him before he ushers them into the lake of fire. And so we know that on the day of judgment that it will be worse for those people, worse for these cities that Jesus has named, worse for the unrepentant, those who have mocked, ridiculed, and persecuted Christians than simply for Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre and Sidon. And that's what we're getting out of all this. He literally says, Capernaum, you're going to be brought down to Hades. You know, you will be thrown into the lake of fire. You will be destroyed, demolished. You will be into everlasting torment. Whereas Sodom and Gomorrah, experienced a one-time judgment, the brimstone and hellfire rained down from heaven upon them, destroying the city, they, had they seen Christ in all of the miracles, would have been repentant. Jesus makes that statement. And the only way he can know that, that they would be repentant, is by being God. And that's another little insight to, you know, his deity and the massive amount of knowledge that he carries with him. He's deeply grieved that some in the great had the greatest opportunity to hear the gospel stubbornly refused to repent and believe. Think about that. Christ, the Son of God, in the flesh, walking the earth, and people are flocking to him in massive amounts of numbers. And in our Bible study in the church, we we called out the twelve apostles the other the other was it last week or the week before? I think it was last week. And in the in the, in the scriptures, it tells us that there were a great crowd that followed him. And then he goes up to the mountainside and he takes with him a smaller group of disciples. And then from the disciples, he picks the 12 apostles. So we, we could assert, you know, this crowd being maybe a couple thousand people. It could have been 10,000 people. And he probably takes a hundred disciples that were close to him. Those that had been with him from the beginning, those who had, you know, worked and walked with him and listened to him and, and believe what he says. And then from that group, and it, and it may not even have been, it could have been, you know, 18 people, you know, we, we don't know. It just says, you know, he takes a, a number of disciples with him and then he picks out 12. And 
that these people had the opportunity to pay witness these crowds flocking thousands and thousands of people flocking to see Christ and they're not moved. They, they want the healing. They want the food. You know, they want the temporal satisfaction. They want the temporal blessing, but they reject the eternal blessing. And that is the troubling schism that we're in today, that these people want the momentary relief, the momentary uh, benefit. They want, you know, a little bit of extra money in their pocket. They want to be satisfied in this world, but they neglect what is going to come to them in the next life. And that is something we all have to be prepared of. And we have to understand that in that next life, there comes judgment. And for not being a believer, you will face judgment. So that is the unrepentant cities text. Uh, As I mentioned, he's deeply, Jesus is deeply grieved. His warning to the Galilean cities is one for us to take heart as well. Many of us have been blessed to drink often from the water of life, and we must respond eagerly and sincerely day by day. Jesus patiently invites us to repent of our sins and hear his word of forgiveness. And this is again, one of the things that really uh, stresses my preaching in my ministry that we don't know how much time we have. And I think this would be favorable for any, any preacher at any time in history. We don't know how much time we have until Jesus returns. We might be able to make it another thousand years. We don't know. But what we do know is that the time is short and Christ is returning. And it is for our best interest that we believe we've repented. We have turned to Christ. We've sought the forgiveness and we have graciously accepted his free gift of forgiveness. Doesn't come, doesn't come with a cost. Doesn't mean we have to uh, climb the ladder uh, and, and earn salvation. But it means that we have been given this free gift that only Christ can give. And we've acknowledged that we are in need of a, sin, uh, a savior because we are sinners. And so that pays well for us to... Um, to be reminded of a text like this, because here in the West, we are often blessed with such an abundance of, uh, of scripture. In fact, um, you know, we, we can travel around in our cars and hear sermons preached. We can hear teaching sessions and, and have audible books read to us and have the Bible read to us. And we can do all that. Whereas the people here never had that luxury. And, And in many places around the world, they don't have that luxury. And so we are oversaturated with the truth that we have decided that in our society that it is not the right way to live. And so we turn to find our own way to live. And that's what's happening with this whole LGBTQ movement and all of the debauchery and heinous sins that are being celebrated in culture, whether it's abortion or or something else. It is that it is my truth. My truth is what's powerful. And because I have my own truth, I can do whatever I want with it. And we are mocking, openly mocking God, taunting him, waiting for him to unleash his judgment and wrath. And in the meantime, we're just like an angry child sticking her tongue out and shaking her fist at him saying, bring it on. You know, when are you going to do it? You're too lazy. And we are just continuously inviting God's judgment upon us. And so we are no better than these unrepentant cities here in the West. And I will never, ever say otherwise, unless there is some significant change of repentance coming to us. 
you know, we, we can release these, all of these Christian movies and people are going to go and see them, you know, like case in point, this one, the Jesus movement that came out earlier this year, everybody was talking about it. It was such a great movie. I personally didn't see it, but people were talking about it. And then it's like, you know, when the novelty of it wore off, people went back to doing whatever they do. And then, you know, during the time they had a great quote unquote revival happening down in, I want to say it was either Tennessee or Kentucky. I, I forget where it was. It was at a college university and, uh, they were, you know, in worship and it was going on for a couple of weeks and people from all over the nation were coming and commenting. And then when it was finished, it was like, nobody talked about it again. It's just gone. You know, we're back to doing what we do now every day. And we don't, you know, some of the people's lives could have been very well much changed in those moments. Absolutely agree that some people could have truly come to understand Christ and, and are now living for him. And that's, you know, praise God. That's wonderful. But how many have heard those messages in those revivals and have gone back to living in the same sinful state, unbelieving and uh, unrepentant? We, we, we don't have a statistic for it, but I'm sure it's probably great. I'm sure it's probably great. So for the West, it is better for the cities of Tyre and Sidon, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, because of what will be done to us on the day of judgment for us to have a, you know, celebration of, you know, the, the LGBTQ lifestyle and have groups that openly mock the, the Catholic worldview, um, and, and, and make fun of Catholics, uh, have these groups of men who dress up as women and, you know, do mock crucifixions of Christ and do all this heinous, just God awful sin. I mean, is mockery is not even, is not even, it's a light word for what they do. They are blasphemous and they are downright disgusting. And yet big corporations are celebrating them to the extent that places like target are even inviting in satanic designers to, to release their merchandise in their stores. Uh, it's just, it is never ending. It is awful, awful, awful from one end of the spectrum to the other. All right. Uh, let's get a little bit of fluffy message because uh, it's all doom and gloom. I want to kind of leave the show on some positive marks here. Uh, let's finish out chapter 11. We got some time left and let's hit verses 25 through the end. And let's see what Jesus has to say here. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden all of these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. So no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So a wonderful little promise from Christ here to finish this off. Again, this would be a really good measure to do a law gospel distinction, where we would take the law and just continuously pummel you uh, for being an unrepentant, you know, believer or an unrepentant unbeliever, and we would assert that. You know, in 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 the West and in America, you are going to face, you know, greater struggles 
on the day of judgment than, you know, those other cities. And that would be our law. And then we come back with the gospel and we see Jesus thanking his father for revealing the truth of the gospel. And interestingly here, he says that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. So you have hidden the gospel from the Pharisees and the scribes and those who are learned in the scriptures, but you have revealed it to the little children. That is just remarkable. Again, another statement to say little children can have faith. My daughter may not really fully grasp it, but she knows that Jesus loves her and she loves Jesus and she knows you know, the Lord's prayer and she can recite it with me and she understands and grasps the basicness of the gospel. So for these little children, they have the knowledge of salvation. And it's another statement too, that it's not necessarily dependent upon our wisdom. It's not dependent upon how old we are, how much we know. It's dependent upon God's gracious gifts to us. Jesus refers uh, to his followers as little ones, as he did back in chapter 10, and pointed to a child as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, as he does in 18. Uh, Those considered wise by earthly standards regard the word of the cross as folly. And we see that echoed by both Paul and Isaiah. Bernardo Clairvaux says this, those who are led by uh, by the spirit, they are sons and cannot be kept from the father's counsel. So this is, you know, a wonderful understanding, a wonderful gift that Christ is giving to his children, to his, to the believers, that this wisdom is not something that we can necessarily grasp fully with our, with our human wisdom, with our intellect and our logic and our reasoning, our rationality. The gospel in itself is illogical. It doesn't make sense to worship a God that was mocked, ridiculed, crucified on the cross, put into a tomb, and then rose from the grave in a triumphant manner to ascend to heaven. And and, and it just doesn't make sense, right? It's like that is the most illogical process and to, to follow. We worshiped a God who was openly mocked, ridiculed, and hung on a cross. And what it does is, is it shows us that Outside of those who believe, the cross is folly because it is foolishness to those who do not believe. It is gibberish. It, they can't comprehend it. They can't not grasp it. Whereas Christians, we, we get to see the beauty of the cross and we get to see the truth and the reality that it brings to us. Um, so let's move on here to verse 28, uh, verses 26 and 27, just, just simply stating uh, God's gracious will. Uh, to the humble, and he opposes the proud, as uh, we have indicated for us in James, when James writes, but he gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, uh, and all things have been handed over to me. We'll see uh, in verse uh, chapter 28 that all authority on heaven and earth have been given to him, and so Jesus now makes this distinction that only those that he chooses to reveal himself to will know the father and only those whom the father has chosen to reveal himself to will know Christ and the father. And so interestingly enough that it kind of beginning with it was the father paying tribute to the son and, and allowing people to know the son. And now the son has been given all authority and it's only through Christ that we can know the father. So that's kind of the, the procession of time, if you would there. So then verse 28, we get to this, the, the promise uh, of this passage, the gospel here, uh, finding rest, come to me who are heavy and, uh, and who all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest is the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding 
and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, as Paul writes in Philippians 4, 7. So uh, just a side note, uh, when I finish my current book, the next book I want to do is going to literally talk about these verses in such a deep manner because it is going to stand against the opposition of the world and is going to provide a way for people to truly understand what this rest incorporates and what it invites you to do. And so we'll be looking at that piece that surpasses all understanding. Uh, That's my next book idea, and I've got some mental thoughts kind of worked out in that already, so pretty excited for it. Um, But here, in uh, there are two parts, those who labor, uh, and the burden is signified by contrition, anxiety, the terrors of sin and death. To come to Christ is to believe that your sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ, for Christ's sake. Uh, when we believe our hearts are brought to life by the Holy Spirit through Christ's words. Here, therefore, there are two chief parts, contrition and faith. The understanding that we are bound to our sin and our death and the the fear that that brings the terrors of sin and death, to come to Christ and believe that all of that has been released from us. We have been given faith to assert that God is going to uphold his promise in Christ and forgive us of our sins. And so he tells us to come to him and find rest. In 29, he says to take my yoke. This uh, would have been a wooden cross piece fastened uh, over the neck of two animals. The Jewish rabbis spoke of the yoke of the law as glorious obedience to God, which freed us, which freed one from the obligations to the world and gave rest. Uh, This is demonstrated for us here in Ecclesiastes 24, 23. And again, in 51, 26, this is what 24 says in all, all this in the book of the covenant of the most high God, the law of Moses commanded us as an inheritance for the congregations of Jacob. And so that's a, Ecclesiasticus, uh, a.k.a. the Sycra, or Sycara, Sycra? I don't know that name. I just butchered it for you. Anyways, uh, Ecclesiasticus it's a, would have been a secondary book, if you would, a uh, something that the Jewish people had used, but it's no, not considered canon in the Christian scope. Uh, Jesus described his yoke as heavy, Matthew 23, 4, and offered his alternative to be Yoked with him to the gospel, one yoked to Jesus will find rest. Uh, and this is what Luther says. He says, the yoke of Christ lays upon us is sweet and his burden is light. When sin has been forgiven and the con- conscience has been liberated from the burden and the sting of sin, then a Christian can bear everything easily because everything within is sweet and pleasant. He willingly does and suffers everything. So that's. That's the beauty of the yoke. It is, it is freedom from the stings of sin. It is freedom from sin, death, and the devil. It's freedom from obligations to the law. It's freedom from having to you know, live a certain type of way in this life and, and be in pursuit of, of pleasing the world. We are free from all that because we find our rest and comfort in our finished work in Christ because Christ has finished all of our work. He has done everything that was required of us to do in order for salvation to be, to be available for us. He has done it all and he willingly and suffers willingly for all of this. And so that's the beauty of the gospels. It's the beauty that we have in Christ that in him and only in him do we find true 
rest, true freedom. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Christ has carried all of our sins and sorrows to the cross. His presence and forgiveness lightens every load. Again, Bernard of Clairvaux says this, uh, Testimonies of the truth counsel me, which wonderfully rise up. Those whom they make humble, instruct, while they humiliate. Thus, this same hand that casts me down rises me up again and makes me sing with joy. This marvel, the word of God, living and efficacious, and proceeds, uh, produces. So this is the beauty of the testimony that Christ has given to us. The truth continuously comes to counsel us, and it raises us up and it makes us humble. And it instruct while they hum, uh, humiliate, and thus, in the same hand, cast me down again or raise me up and sing with joy. The beauty of the gospel, right? you know, in all of this, the yoke of Christ is easy. He has taken all of our sins and burdens to the cross. He has taken all of our sorrows with him, and he has finished the work. He has freed us from it. He has suffered all of it for us and freely gives us the gift to come to him and rest in him. So in our Genesis episode that I just finished recording, we talked about uh, the Sabbath day because we started into chapter 2 now. And we talked a little bit about the Sabbath day and how Christ is now our rest. And this is, again, the demonstration to that text that we see here, that we find our true Sabbath in Christ. We find our true rest in him. So the thing hidden from the wise and the understanding is God's gracious plan of salvation, the message that both Jesus and John the Baptist proclaimed. Jesus's contemporaries, by and large, rejected him, preferring to live under the heavy yoke of the law as the way of salvation. Jesus invites us to receive the yoke of the gospel, which guarantees true rest. Now, we can't make it any clearer than that. Those who want to live in obligation to fulfilling some form of the law are, would rather live under the heavy yoke of that law. And uh, there is no salvation there. There's no hope there. There's only obedience. And obedience doesn't lead to salvation. Only faith and belief do. So and that's what Christ is offering to us, the true rest in him, knowing that all of the work that he has done is finished for us on the cross. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to conclude our episode and wrap us up on chapter 11. Next week, we'll get into the Lord of the Sabbath, a continuating thought process for here from what we've talked about. Uh, and we'll see, you know, how the Pharisees have really uh, created this uh, this really difficult law for the the people to try and uphold in order to fulfill the need of the sabbath we'll talk a little bit more about how god gives us the sabbath and things like that so that's next week ladies and gentlemen it is friday if you're listening to this get into church on sunday partake in the sacraments and be refreshed by the preaching of the gospel and rest in the name that christ has done all of the work needed for us and we continue to share that beautiful news with the rest of the world until next week have a great week god bless Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of Undying Light. 
If you did enjoy this episode, then consider joining us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. That means $1 per month will get you access to everything that we do behind the scenes. That includes early releases podcast episodes, bonus episodes that will never be released to the public, teaching videos, Bible studies, sermon notes, and anything else that may arise during the time, as well as early access to my book. That also entails that if you are a patron, when I complete the book, you will get a free copy of that said book. So that is just a few of the things that we do here at Undying Light. And we would greatly appreciate if you come and join this community. You'd have access to our chat groups on Instagram and our Discord channel where we keep everybody up to date and have wonderful conversations spanning the plethora of information. So $1 a month gets you full access to all of that. You can buy a whole year up front and get access for just about $10 and change. And that gives you 12 months uninterrupted access to Undying Light. The other promo I would like to share with you is Logos.com. You can get yourself a copy of this wonderful Bible software. You can download it free and uh, go in and just choose and purchase the books that you want, uh, whether you want a study Bible or just a couple commentaries. But the app itself is a wonderful program and allows me to quickly move through content without holding me up. I can search and find all of the available resources in my library that talk about whatever topic that I'm covering and I can draw from it and I can read through it and I can have all of it right in front of me. In fact, as I'm recording this, I have my study Bible open with my ESV Bible open and generally I'll have the Book of Concord open and probably some of Luther's lectures or his uh, commentaries or anything else that he may have written, maybe even sermon notes, things like that up on the screen. Those tools are wonderful in helping you study. On top of all that, this is not an app just for theologians and pastors, but it can be used for anybody and everybody at any walk in their life. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, this app can help benefit you. So logos.com forward slash undying light. You'll get yourself some discounts on packages where it will come designed to your specific denominational view. If you're Lutheran, you can get the Lutheran package. If you're Baptist or Reformed or Calvinist or Anglican or Catholic, or Jewish, you can get all of those packages at a discounted rate through that link. So you can find all that information in the show notes, as well as anything that pertains to fitness and health, as that is another mantra to my life. And if you have any questions on that, feel free to DM me. So thanks again, guys. Have a great day. God bless. We'll see you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.